Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon and welcome to NJSBA's Blog Talk Radio program, Conversations on New Jersey Education, a program dedicated to creating a conversation among those of us in the education community and beyond on important education issues of the day. A conversation that brings state leaders to you, and I hope you feel free to bring in, join in in the conversation. Uh, my name is Ray Penny. I'll be your host for this afternoon's program. Uh, like normally, we'll, we'll be able to take your phone calls, or we also have the chat room open. This gives you two vehicles in which to participate. If you want to ask a question by calling in, dial one three four seven nine eight nine. 8904 and press 1, and Michael will be monitoring the switchboard. He'll get your question and topic and pass it on to me, and then I'll bring you on live. Um, if you're listening on uh, your phone line, you probably should turn your computer down because they're at, there's a slight delay. And if you're listening on the computer uh, and you want to log on to the chat room feature, uh, you will have to log on with Blog Talk Radio. Um, I'm really interested in today's uh, program. Uh, politics and policy are always intertwined with each other, no matter what the issue is, and that includes education. Education policy is almost always determined by our political leaders and or political appointees or state agencies. What happens in the halls of Trenton affects what happens in our classrooms, whether it's how we fund our schools, uh, the standards we set for our students, how we assess our students, and how we compensate and evaluate our educators. It usually originates in Trenton. Today, uh, I'm glad to have with us uh, John Mooney from NJ Spotlight. John has been covering education for over 20 years, and NJ Spotlight is probably a must-read for anyone who's interested in education in New Jersey. Uh, And we'll be talking about the layout as to what's going on today. Uh, In 2016, we pretty much have mostly the the same players in the legislature and the governor's office and at the DOE that we did the last couple of years, but we might have a few wrinkles. So, John, I'd like to welcome you. Yeah, glad to be here, Ray. Great to have you, John. Uh, John, just tell us a little bit for those listeners who don't know what NJ Spotlight is. Yeah, thank you. Um, NJ Spotlight is uh, five years old. We launched in uh, the spring of 2010. Uh, it was founded by a bunch of former uh, newspaper reporters who covered the issues in New Jersey. Uh, I myself was coming from the Star-Ledger, where uh, I covered education for more than 10 years, and before that, the Bergen Record. And we started as a nonprofit news site that would uh, continue to cover the sort of the big public issues facing the state and provide coverage of that as newspapers have shrunk. Oftentimes it's those beat reporters, those issues reporters who have um, been, you know, I wouldn't say sacrificed, that's maybe a tough word, but they, there's fewer of them out there. So we wanted to fill that niche. And we launched, as I said, in 2010 and uh, have slowly grown. Our core issues are education, healthcare, energy, and environment and public finance, but we also cover issues of transportation, housing, higher education. Um, you know, we try to cover as many as we can, and we've grown to uh, be a, a new staff of six folks and another five or six folks who, who run the operation and have done pretty well for ourselves and and, um, and, and feel that we're certainly uh, providing some valuable information and, and engaging the conversation. Yes, and uh, I said it earlier, but I will uh... – and he's not, and John's not paying me. Uh, if you're interested in education in uh, New Jersey, you probably should bookmark his site. Um, okay, John, let's 
get to it. Which uh, I might add is njspotlight.com, simple enough. <laughs> uh, and and you also can find us. We have partnerships with uh, you know, the Star Ledger itself, nj.com, WNYC Public Radio, WHYY Public Radio. So um, we're we're out there quite a bit, and, and hopefully uh, your your listeners will will come join as well. Okay. Uh, I said it earlier. We pretty much had the same players in Trenton that we've had for the last few years, though it's a little bit different now because the governor was a candidate uh, for president and he is no longer. Uh, How do you expect, do you see any change in how that might, the dynamics between the Democrats and the Republicans, how that might be different this year as opposed to the last few years? Well, I'd say in the last year we didn't have really much of a governor. Um, And uh, so I think him returning to the scene uh, does change the dynamics. Um, I mean, there's, there's, there's a few ways to, to view his return and, and, and what's going to come out of it. Uh, I mean, there, we've, New Jersey has, has sort of had the experience of, of two Chris Christie's. Uh, his first term, uh, where he did strike some collaborative notes and, and, and made some you know real headway on a couple of big issues, uh, certainly in education, uh, the pension reforms being, being a big one, and, and certainly the tenure reform. And um, and then he slowly, if not so slowly, moved to the right uh, as he as he ran for president, uh, ran for the Republican nomination, and and you clearly saw that like on a number of initiatives, both education and otherwise. Um, and now that he's back, I you know I which one will we see? Um, you know, will we see you know that earlier uh, Chris Christie, the somewhat moderate uh, and and more collaborative governor? Or will we see the one who ran for president? And and I think it's it's you know it's hard to tell right away, but I, I certainly think um, there's some early signs that he is, is back here feeling a little nostalgic for the days when when he had high approval ratings and and was getting a lot done in the state. And I think you will you know you're you're starting to see some of that um, in, in terms of his budget and in terms of at least some of his rhetoric. Uh, and I, th- I think it's going to be an interesting, you know, next year and a half in terms of what gets done. But I, I do think he's coming back to to uh, fill out his legacy in a more positive note than than where it stood as he was running for president. Okay, that's Governor Christie. We have the Democrats. It's a dance here, and the Democrats may not be acting the same way that they did four or five years ago uh, for that first Chris Governor Christie. How do you see them, particularly? Uh, with the Senate president, who's probably you know, there's some speculation about where he wants to be. Yeah, I think I mean it's a very good point, and and they are not the same party they were uh, five or six years ago, and they're um, nor as as Governor Christie in terms of the political capital that he has. Uh, and I think that you'll you will see them more outspoken, especially some of the ones who have their own aspirations now for the governor's seat, and, and Senate President Steve Sweeney would would top that list, but. Also, uh, Senator Ray Lesniak. There's there's folks on the Republican side who are going to be starting to jockey for that. Um, and I, you know, it it is very much of a dance, as you said. And and I think you'll see them be pushing it a little bit harder. But uh, Chris Christie is still a pretty talented politician, um, and and it will be interesting how far he lets them go. I don't think he's entirely given up on on his aspirations either. And and so I think. You know, this is not a guy who's suddenly going to become, you know, Bernie Sanders by any means. Um, I think he's he still has his his agenda that he wants to push. I don't think he rules out, you know, running for office or running for you know some other kinds of positions 
So I, you know, he's he's still very much of a formidable uh, governor with considerable powers, and and so the Democrats still have some battles on their hands. But you know, Steve Sweeney has always you know come off as a pretty collaborative guy, um, and I think you know he got burned by it a couple times. But I I don't see him all of a sudden you know becoming uh, a bulwark where who's going to run over anybody gets in his way. Uh, and I think he's going to try to also get some things done, and especially given uh, he will likely be running for governor. And I think he has his own track record that he wants to bolster. So um, I think that, you know, the short answer is I think the Democrats will be tougher. Um, but I, I think it's going to be a similar dance between a, a still strong governor and some Democrats who want to get their own things done. And, and for our listeners, I guess we should point out the New Jersey governor, uh, no matter who it is, is probably maybe the most uh, – the strongest governor in the state in terms of the authority that they have well, at their this, disposal. Yeah, the country. Yeah, the strongest governor in the country. It, in the country, sorry. Them. Um, yeah, I mean they have uh, broad constitutional powers. They you know, really can do quite a bit even without – as we've seen, without the, go- without the legislature going along with them. Um, and I think and, – and Christie is not all of a sudden going to be giving up those reins by any means. Right, and uh, I guess the first thing is – uh, since he came back, was his budget, uh, and usually that's where you see a lot of the authority of the the governor. Despite all the dancing that they could do through the budget, it usually ends up being the governor's budget. Uh, did you, was there anything in the budget address that you saw that was a little different? Well, what was interesting was I think that the budget address uh, was still had a lot of his famous language and, and was you know picking out the public service unions and, and quote-unquote special interests and the like. And I, I, the rhetoric was, was familiar. What was interesting is I think in the actual budget that was released, as I was saying, there were some signs. He he put some money towards pensions, albeit not to the level that, that uh, the Democrats and the unions have been pushing. But he, you know, he wasn't drawing a line in the sand on that. He didn't draw a line in the sand on the Transportation Trust Fund, uh, which is another big issue facing the state. And, in fact, uh, didn't even roll out notions of gas taxes and the like. He didn't, certainly didn't embrace, but he talked about having a dialogue about it and working with the legislature. That seemed to be a conciliatory tone as well. So I think, you know, there were some things that that I think he um, showed some willingness to do. Now, admittedly, his rhetoric is still pretty strong, uh, and and it, it is something that uh, one needs to keep an eye on. And, and um, you know, will he, will he follow through on some of that? But I got a sense out of that budget that he, you know, is is willing to work on some things. Um, now, I'm also, you know, I'm, I'm never predicted that Donald Trump would go as far as he he would either. <laughs> so, you know, there's there's a lot of prognosticating here that uh, is is more educated guess than anything because it is so unpredictable. But yeah. there was some sense out of that budget and and schools in terms of state aid to schools. Um, you know, it wasn't a big big jump, but he certainly wasn't going to hit them hard. And and I think you know. His language, at least, was that all of them are getting increases. It's they're pretty nominal, I might add. Um, yeah, I saw that. Certainly your, was uh... not going hard at that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a relatively small sum for for most schools, but uh, he certainly wasn't um, taking a battering ram out on them either. Uh, it occurred in his uh, budget address, and uh, you kind of alluded to it. Which Governor Christie are we going to have? Uh, he did uh, take on. Uh, the unions, the public sector unions a little bit, particularly with the pension issue, um, because the Democrats uh, are uh, say they're going to pass. Uh, I assume that they're going to be 
true to their word, a constitutional amendment that will be put on the ballot that contributions have to be made. I think he did kind of draw a line in the sand on that issue, though. Well, he's not a fan of the amendment, no, and and uh, constitutional amendment or the referendum. I mean, they, I think that is one. But, you know, they don't need him for that. And so I think, uh, you know, he can he can campaign against it, and I assume he probably will. Um, and, you know, I'm not saying that these things are all going to be, uh, you know, everybody's going to be, you know, sitting sitting around the campfire singing together. But um, but these are, you know, he didn't go pull back so much that he wouldn't fund the pension. I mean, he's often maintained that it, it doesn't need as much money as, as uh, you know, the unions and the Democrats have said. And, and I think, you know, he showed some faith, uh, decent faith, in, in providing some additional money in there that, that I think was even further than some might have thought he would go. Um, but uh, the amendment is and the referendum that we're going to have is, is going to hear, you know, we're going to hear a lot from the governor on that. He maintains that that, that would cost $3 billion, um, you know, when when we don't have that. And, and there's been some argument about over that math. Uh, but, but I, you know, my, my feeling is, you know, on, on a bunch of these issues that, that he's, you know, he'll, he'll say the right things in terms of, um, you know, his principles and, and, you know, his, uh, you know his track record on the issues, but but I you know he, I don't have the quite the sense of the same fight uh, in in him that I did uh, certainly during the election and even leading up to it. Uh, there's there's a few things that are that he's dealing with also that are separate that are looming and you know we haven't even gotten to the issue of Bridgegate, but but that could be a big one that could break uh, you know in this spring and and the last thing that this governor is going to be worrying about at that point is is, is pensions. Hmm. Uh, and one of the other, uh, he has, uh, the Health Benefits Commission made some recommendations that uh, the governor would support for the most part. Uh, do you see any action on that? Uh, I didn't see the well, Democrats jumping for joy on that. Yeah, um, yeah. I think. I mean, I, you know, that is a huge issue, especially to the to the unions. Um, and um, you know, I, I do see some movement on that. I mean, it is. We are entering what is going to be a very strange time uh, in terms of the next run for governor. I mean, not only do we have a, a strong governor leaving office, but but we have these players. And, and, you know, the Democrats, you know, or Christie is not necessarily going to want to hand them a lot of victories either. Um, you know, he, has a, he does lead the Republican Party in this state. And although it's a long shot for a Republican to replace him, uh, I don't necessarily think he's all of a sudden going to be you know, on, on the Democrats team. So it'll be interesting what, you know, what can get done uh, in the face of, of what, you know, some folks dis- describe as the silly season of politics that is, that is fast approaching for us. Hmm. Um, I'm going to move on to some other issues. Uh, if I go to your NJ spotlight and you uh, put any article up there on about park, uh, I think you get it automatically. You're going to get a bunch of comments um, how do you see Park laying out this year? I know uh, if people go to NJ Spotlight today, you listed the high schools that had the the highest uh, opt out or refusal rate. Uh, how do you see some of the issues playing out with Park? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, I, uh, this is going to be the second year of the testing, um, and uh, you know, start starting this spring. Actually, it's already started in the fall in some schools, which had block scheduling. Um, and I think you're going to, 
I, I do sense um, that you're not going to quite have the rancor of the first year. Um, I think there was a lot of unknowns going into it. Uh, there were folks saying the sky is going to fall, um, nothing's going to work, the computers won't work, the scores will be all, all over the place. Um, and I think some of that uh, at least didn't turn out to be um, true, and, and that it actually ended up being a, you know, a fairly event, uh, you know, pretty uh, eventless. I wouldn't say eventless, but it wasn't nearly as eventful as folks uh, thought it would be. And I think that that will, um, you know, second year. I think computers are running pretty well. You know, in terms of schools have know they have the capacity to deal with it. They they do have a decent sense now of what. Uh, the tests are going to look like and what the results are going to look like. Um, you're still going to have some refusals. I don't think that movement is, has gone away. Um, and it's really somewhat hard to tell of how big it was in the first place. I think it, it's somewhere in between the state saying it's a small number and, and some folks saying it's 150,000 people or 150,000 kids. But um, mm -hmm. there's still, there's still a, a movement out there, a protest movement. And so you'll see some numbers and and as it was last year, where it was largely pockets, I think you'll continue to see some of those pockets um, going through it. But I don't, I don't sense the second year is going to be as big as the first. And slowly, we're going to get used to this test. Uh, I don't think it's going anywhere. Um, at least that's not my sense at this point. I think we're pretty much committed to it, and um, and slowly we'll start getting used to it. And, and you know, in five, ten years' time, there'll be some discussion of a new test. And we'll go through it all over again. It, it does seem that every 10 years or so, New Jersey, is, as most states do, um, jigger with their tests. And, and uh, we're just at the beginning of it now, and I do think that things are going to level off a bit. Do you think, uh, and I know uh, the Department of Ed has stated that the testing window will be shorter this year for PARC. Do you think that will help uh alleviate some of the refusals as yeah, well? Yeah, I definitely, oh yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, they're they're now going to do it in one window, uh, and I think that that will help a lot. I mean, there was a sense last spring that it sort of took over the whole spring, especially it being new and, and people not knowing how it was going to work. And I think by reducing it uh, in, in, in time uh, and scope is, is really going to help, um, it, certainly with the schools that are felt a bit overwhelmed last year. Um, as, as well as parents. It, it just seemed like it never ended, uh, albeit the actual testing time uh, wasn't that much longer than under the previous testing. It certainly felt like it. And with all the rancor around it, it felt doubly so. So I, I do think that there's going to be uh, some less pressure on it. And I think teachers are going to get used to it. Now they know, sort of know these scores look like. you know, And they don't look terribly different in terms of the curve um, that, that we're used to is, you know, they, obviously the rigor has been ramped up, but the kids who did well on the old tests um, are still doing pretty well on these. You know, the kids who struggled on the old tests are still struggling on these. I think, you know, teachers now have a sense that at least they, they can make some rhyme or reason out of it. And, um, and I think that will, you know, I think all of these things help. Second year is always going to be a lot easier than the first year. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, and just one final thing on part. I looked at your list. Uh, I had a hard time finding a pattern uh, as to where the refusals were. It, I mean, some of them seem to be uh, wealthier districts, but that that's not the case in all of them. Uh, no. What do you yeah, I mean, attribute yeah, that to? Pockets, some, yeah. some districts that are very similar had almost you know 100% participation, and then others not far away had a bigger – Even some in the same district. Uh, yeah. I mean, and, and I think – 
again, this was very locally organized um, and, and within sets of parents and sets of teachers and even in, in some cases sets of kids. And so, um, you know, it really was very clustered in, in, a, in especially a few towns uh, that got a lot of attention. But, you know, Science Park High School uh, in Newark, albeit, you know, probably their most selective, highest performing school, but there were some kids there who, you know, along with their teachers were really pretty adamant. And and have been. I mean, the, the Newark uh, Student Union, which is largely out of comes out of Newark uh, Science Park High School, um, is a very vocal and, and uh, boisterous group of kids who were able to rally other kids to you know sort of skip out on the test. And so I think um, you know there were these pockets, and they weren't certainly all well to do. Uh, but you know, it, it generally I think it, it ticked a bit towards the suburban better off districts, but but Camden High School had a high number. Um, you know, certainly some of the, you know, some quote-unquote quote middle class or working class districts had some high numbers. So it often was had more to do with the energy of those who were, who were pushing this as opposed to necessarily the socioeconomics. Hmm. Yeah, that probably makes sense. Uh, we're speaking with John Mooney from NJ Spotlight. If you want to call and ask John a question... Uh, it's one three four seven nine eight nine eight nine zero four, and press one, uh, or you can just log on to our chat room and uh, type in a question for me to, to pass on to John. Uh, John, tied hand in hand with Park is the state standards, and we used to have Common Core. Uh, well, we we still have Common Core. Still uh, do for the moment. Yes. For the moment. Um, last May, the governor instructed the Department of Ed to review the standards. Um, and uh, and they came back with some recommendations that are going to the state board right now. Uh, just let's touch on that. What did you see as the major proposal uh, or differences in uh, the new standards? There really aren't that many. Um, I mean, it's, you know, and, and this was what a lot of folks were saying back when when Christie, um, when the governor instructed his department to, to review them, was that was largely a, a political move to appease to, the right as he was running for for uh, the Republican nomination and and other states have gone through this. There was no great love lost uh, among Republicans for so-called national standards. They called them federal. They're not really federal, but they certainly were nationwide. And um, that that flew in the face of a lot of things they believe in in terms of state rights and local say on these things. So you know, and calling for an end of them wasn't unusual, um, but. There was also a pretty broad prediction that not much would change except maybe the name, and and I think that sort of that you know turned out to be somewhat true at least in terms of the review. There were you know there's some language stuff. There's a few tweaks in in you know moving some some uh, some skills and knowledge around a little bit, changing by a grade or, or or the like, or you know making something less required than it used to be, and and adding it certainly added some you know, more language around reflection and critical thinking. Um, but it, it wasn't a big switch. And, and uh, I think these things, and I haven't even heard, you know, even the folks who are the biggest proponents of, of the standards of the Common Core haven't been complaining about where this is headed. And I think this this should go for fairly smoothly through the state board. There's been some issues raised on a couple smaller things, but um, it, it is not a, a terribly different it's just we are going to have a new name. It's going to be, you know, whatever I think they're calling them the uh, New Jersey Student Learning Standards. Um, and 
but it's 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 pretty much the same same as the the common core has been for the last few years. Well, I I do know I, I I've heard uh, Kimberly Harrington, the assistant commissioner for that, who keyed it up, uh, led the the this uh, charge. She feels uh, that it, it it was a little bit more, you know, words matter uh, in that. But uh, I do have one thing with that, though. Is um, I agree with her. I mean, and I do agree, words do matter. And and and, and you're a writer. They, they, they didn't. Yeah, and, and I'm not saying that there's none, but in terms of changing the kinds of tests that uh, we, you know, the park is aligned to the Common Core, and I don't see any big changes to the park under these new standards. Um, you know, curriculum. I don't see a lot of curricular changes. But certainly the things that could get emphasized, I mean, there is more attention to to things like reflection uh, in, in, you know, in, in both the literature and the reading pieces of this. And, I mean, there's there's definitely some things that, that matter. But I, in terms of a wholesale change or retreat from the Common Core, it's just, you know, and I, I, I would say that Kim would, would likely say that they weren't told to rewrite them. They were they were basically told to revise them and, and to fix, fix places that needed fixing. And I, you know, I, I give them credit. There's more than 200 recommendations there that that do have some, um, you know, some wording changes that that uh, would matter uh, on a on a given on a given topic. But overall, it's not a big shift. And I, and I think the, the two final thoughts. One, you made the point uh, they're still tied to the park test, uh, the park exam. And uh, the other thing, the people who reviewed all the, this, while it was a broad coalition, it was for the most part educators. Uh, at different yes. levels, so we brought the same people back to review it. Yeah, and a lot of folks who had been had been pretty strong proponents of it, um, and so uh, they were. These are not folks who were looking to to overhaul the standards by any means. Um, I think these are folks who who you know well-meaning and and were given a task, and I think that they um, you know by and large completed that task and and. Uh, and you know, I, I don't, I don't sense a tremendous amount of change in in what's going to happen in schools. But, but to educators who do hang on some of these words, yeah, sure, it, it, it is, um, you know, some slightly different guidance that they'll be following now. All right, um, let's uh, also switch gears now a little bit to urban education because a lot of the reform movements that we have is really geared towards uh, urban education. Um, I feel like we every year we talk about charter schools. <laughs> And I know the governor met, met, mentioned that uh, he, uh, how successful he feels they've been. Uh, where do you see charter schools, uh, you know, uh, going? Because I see it, it seems to vacillate where some people, like some of the Democrats, might want a little bit more control on them, while the governor is, wants to give them more of a free reign. Uh, how do you see that playing out? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it, they've had a, uh, a pretty long and I'd say fairly storied history in New Jersey. Um, the charter schools have, and, and uh, governor, I think, is taking some pride in what he sees as as providing them, um, you know, although not a whole lot more money, uh, if, if any at all, certainly a lot more support. In the beginning, he was approving them by the, you know, by the dozens or almost, uh, and that has been pulled back uh, a bit, um, certainly out of the suburbs. But they continue to grow, and, and especially in the cities, and, and Newark and Camden, where they have this sort of hybrid version, uh, the Renaissance schools. Um, and that is, uh, you know, and, and there's a lot of, one of the things that's coming out this year is, is how the administration has, has um, been more open to expansions of existing charters as opposed to approving new ones, ones that have 
decent track records, being able to bet on those as opposed to necessarily opening a brand new one. And so I, I, I do see them continuing to grow. I don't sense the legislative leadership as being all that opposed to them. Uh, there's certainly the Democrats have called for some, you know, some semblance of new controls. It depends. Assembly has been uh, tougher on that than the Senate has. But I don't sense a, a, a big shift in the legislature in, in blocking any of this. And I think they will continue to grow. I don't think it will be at a breakneck speed like they were in the beginning of Governor Christie's term, but they will, you're certainly seeing, especially some of these larger networks, you know, which are, which are, you know, opening, you know, schools with hundreds of more kids in the next couple of years, in some cases, even a thousand. And so uh, in places, especially like Newark and Camden, and I think that will continue. And I don't think it, you know, if we have a Republican or I'm sorry, a Democratic governor, certainly somebody like Sweeney or even Fuller, those, those uh, Steve Fulop, the Jersey City mayor, neither of them have necessarily been big critics of charter schools, and um, at all. And I, and I think they'll continue to have a strong foothold in the state, and certainly in a couple of its cities. Yeah, um, and also in uh, urban education, we have our takeover districts, uh, and it seems we're we're moving to. A different speed, I guess. Uh, it looks like that some of those districts may eventually get local control. Uh, they may not have any money, but they they'll have local control. Uh, how do you see that playing out? I mean, particularly Patterson, Newark, and Jersey City. Camden's kind of at a different stage right now. Yeah, uh, there's slowly been some shifting towards. Um, I think the governor has uh, has recognized the limits of the state's powers in some of these places, um, and. Uh, you know, certainly he he was pretty aggressive in Camden, but not really against much resistance either. Uh, but he clearly facing some resistance in, in especially Newark and, and to a degree in Patterson, and um, recognizing that there's only so much really the state the state's operation can be doing anymore that that isn't doing some harm. And and I think Newark's you know last five years are, are a case in point where there may have been some gains, but there was also a lot of um, a lot of wounds uh, that were reopened there, and, and I don't think that necessarily was something that he wanted to have to go through, especially while he was touting a lot of the reforms. So um, he has slowly uh, shifted some powers back, uh, both in, in Patterson and in Newark, um, and to a degree in Jersey City. They've had a bunch of their powers back for a while, um, but not all of them. And and I think you know you'll see some of that. I don't know if it will necessarily happen under Christie. Uh, where you'll see a, a full uh, return of local control. I do think it will probably happen under a Democratic governor uh, and probably happen pretty quickly. And he has sort of, you know, greased the wheel, per se, for that to happen uh, in both of these places where they're slowly getting some of these controls back on their own and, you know, getting used to it. And, and the big one is when they get the the, uh, the right to appoint their superintendent. I mean, that's the, that's the power that, that the state still holds in both, uh, Patterson and in Newark, and, and that's really the big one, and um, and that probably is still a couple of years out for both of them. Uh, and one other thing with uh, urban education, well, uh, my Assemblywoman Milo J.C. proposed, and it seems like something the Democrats are very supportive of. Is, uh, they feel has been one of the biggest uh, successes is uh, expanding preschool. Uh, I know that it seems like the Democrats have a lot of support on that. Uh, where do you think that might move? Because uh, I'm not sure the governor would be supportive. 
Yeah, I think that, that's going to be slower. Uh, I think what what you're seeing is um, they certainly, as you said, the Democrats, including Steve Sweeney, are making a big push on that, uh, and, and Senator Teresa Ruiz as well, um, you know, the uh, influential chair of the Senate Education Committee. And so I think you're going to see some movement on it, but big, and then there's generally a decent consensus that the value of preschool um, and so that's not the big argument. But the big argument is how do we come up with the funding for it? And even the modest proposals that are starting to come for expansion, sort of phasing in an expansion, you know, are, are $100 million plus. And, and that's just not money laying around right now. Um, and so that, I think, is where it's going gonna, it's gonna to take some more time and, and it's going to take some more will. Um, there's, there is a campaign afoot to make it a prominent issue uh, in the gubernatorial election uh, next year in 2017, and and you may see some pledges come out of that where, you know, a Sweeney or a Fulop or a Phil Murphy or or whomever will make a pledge that that will be a priority for them, and 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 they'll be earmarking money. But again, I don't see it happening before uh, before the next governor. Uh, this governor has you know other issues on his plate that I think he wants to try to resolve first. He's not necessarily an opponent of preschool. In fact, his at least maintain the funding there uh, by and large, in part because he's been ordered by the courts, certainly, or would be ordered by the courts otherwise. But um, but it's not necessarily one of his signature issues, and, and I just think there's, there's other things that are going to be higher priorities for him. Um, a couple things. Uh, we still have the same uh, education chairs of the committee, both the Senate uh, Education and the Assembly, and Pat Dugan in the Assembly, and um, uh, Teresa Ruiz in the Senate. Do you see them having any any uh, issue on there that they are going to be focusing in on this year, or is it the same as the past? Yeah, I mean, I think Teresa Ruiz is clearly going at the early education stuff, and, and she has a package of bills that she just recently introduced that that talk about even extending another expensive item, extending to all districts uh, full day kindergarten. Um, most, I think a good 80% now do have it, but there's 20% that don't, which I think a lot of people would be surprised by. And that's something she also wants to do. She wants to provide some additional money and programs around wraparound services before and after school. Um, she wants to, I think she's talking about a cabinet level early, or early childhood department or office uh, that would coordinate the different departments dealing with all the different family and intervention issues that, that come in those first five years uh, of, uh, of a child's life. So I think that, that does seem to be one of the issues she's pushing. Uh, on the assembly side, Pat Dignan, uh he is, you know, always talking about dealing with the charter school issue. That's one that he's been more uh, spoken on than, than most. Um, I'm not sure. I think there's still a lot of questions where that's headed. And, uh, and you know, we've been talking about a new charter law for the last three years um, without a whole lot of progress um, or at least consensus coming down on one proposal or another. So, I've, you know, they've, the, the Assembly is historically going to be more reactive anyway, um, and I think that will continue as well. And, and it's, it, it will be interesting, again, how some of these issues play out as we, as we head into 2017 you know, will, will the assembly come around to the pre-K issue? Myla Jacy, as you said, has been pretty uh, spoken on it. You know, but does she necessarily have Pat Dignan's ear on everything? Um, so there, there's some interplay within the assembly that I think is interesting. The Democrats seem to be 
more in consensus on the Senate side uh, than they necessarily are on the on the um, on the assembly side. And then you have somebody like Troy Singleton, you know, who's who's got very different ideas on on charter schools than Pat Dignan does. And so uh, I think his voice, he's he's become a rising voice in the Senate, or I'm sorry, in the Assembly, and I think we'll be hearing more from him as well. Um, the Democrats have some issues. We talked about the preschool and early education, and um, how do you see those playing out? Because, you know, I'll, we'll circle back to maybe one of our first questions. There are some major budget structural issues that we have to face in terms of the pension, health care, the transportation, even though trust fund, even though that's not part of education, uh, is the the budget really the, the overall big issue that will be driving what gets passed and doesn't get passed over the next, not just this year, but probably next year too? Yeah, I do. I, I, you know, and I think we have, you know, we haven't uh, gotten into a lot the school funding formula itself. You know, we've now gone, you know, close to a decade where we've had a school funding formula that we've virtually ignored. Um, and, you know, obviously we had some pretty tough times coming out of 2008, which didn't leave the state a whole lot of choice. Uh, but but I think that there's going to be – that's going to be an issue that's going to be coming more to the fore, I think, in the next few years and, and something that the Democrats, I think, want to resolve. We're underfunding the school funding formula you know, in the billions at this point, uh, and for urban and suburban districts alike, and um, and actually more for, in, in some cases, suburban and and, and middle class districts, and and I think that's a big issue that that is going to take up a lot of time and and dictate a lot of these things because that is likely going to cost more money. I mean, we're not talking about pulling back money. You know, none of these things are talking about cutting large sums. There may be some settling in urban districts that have have seen some larger sums, but we're not talking about, you know, decimating them by any means, or I haven't heard any of that kind of talk, uh, even among the Republicans. I think they're trying to get some more support for some of the districts they represent. And I think the Democrats recognize, you know, this is untenable, that we would continue to basically ignore a, a funding formula that, that took three years to develop. And uh, I think the, the, they often feel that there's some things they've learned along the way, even as we haven't funded it. And I, I do think there'll be some adjustments to it that will change the the, the dollar dynamics of the debate, and um, and and will be, you know, probably in the next couple of years starting to materialize, and, and uh, you'll hear a lot of uh, debate around it. Well, and not funding the funding from a, every year, the more you the the longer you do that, the harder it is to get back to that formula, because um, there are some people that might lose funding, uh, and we get state aid cuts. Uh, over some type of time period, if I read that formula correctly, so that's a that's a tough politics too. For, yeah, that is for both sides. I mean, that's a big reason why everyone is resistant to do anything about it because it, wherever there's a winner, there's going to be some losers, and, and vice versa for that. And so, um, yes, these are not easy discussions, uh, and and I think that uh, that that is why it took so long to do in the first in the first iteration. And I think it will. Uh, it certainly is going to take a while to to figure out in, in the next version. But but it's coming. This is not a. Uh, it is certainly not over. We are not going to be underfunding or, or staying with this school funding formula forever. Um, or even I would say I'd say in the next three years you're going to see a new one. Yeah. Um, and finally, uh, a couple, two last thoughts. Uh, one uh, for a lot, 
long time. Uh, we talked about the changes in the teacher evaluation model. Uh, some of that, some of the, uh, some might argue that uh, some of the pushback on Park from the from the teachers was tied to that. Um, do you see anything happening in terms of the teacher evaluations? Uh, the model it seems like it it's pretty much here to stay. Yeah, uh, for the moment, um, I think you're not going to see a whole lot of change on that. What is interesting that's happening this year is you're starting to see the first round of, of you know, some or first significant round of, of tenure charges. We're you know two years in, which is sort of how the law worked, uh, and I think that you're you know how those fare. Uh, it's, it's still somewhat of a trickle of those cases coming back, um, but I think you're going to see more of them. And I think that will that will uh, bear some uh, a close watch. Uh, and as you said, I, I certainly I think that there was uh, a big reason for some of the NJEA and the teacher unions' um, resistance to Park was around the use of Park in teacher evaluations. And and the administration has scaled that back to a pretty small amount. Uh, it's, I think 10%, and it's only a fraction of teachers who are who are facing that. Ten percent of their ratings are, are deemed off of um student performance levels, which is, you know, I wouldn't call inconsequential, but it I'm not sure it, it moves a teacher from from one level to another, uh, per se. And um and that that may shift and that if it certainly if, if that grows a whole lot, uh you're gonna see the NJEA speaking up uh more on it. Um, but I think at this level, um, and the administration going along with it, has sort of uh, you know tamp tamped down any big concerns at the moment. And I don't. This is not necessarily a fight. I think that the administration wants to get in again. Um, mm -hmm. it doesn't need to. It, it got what it's wanted. It, it got its. Uh, that probably will stay for a little while. Uh, and this will be my last. Uh, sec I'll give you one final comment. But <coughs> excuse me. Uh, when the governor uh, first came on. One of the things that he probably, you know, the players are all the same, but one of the players that we didn't talk about was the NJEA. That seemed to be one of his favorite targets uh, in his first uh, few years. Uh, with that, you know, we're coming full circle, the constitutional amendment, will that bring something that might, that how will that relationship, which was never Yeah, I don't uh, think it's warm and fuzzy. I mean, I, yeah, yeah, I think, I mean, they may work, if he comes up with some, you know, some compromise deal, he's certainly going to have to go through them. But I think, you know, the bridges have been burned uh, between those guys. And, and I think, uh, you know, it's, I wouldn't call it, I don't want to, uh, you know, trivialize it, but but there is a sport now to, to him taking on the unions and the unions taking on him. And I don't, you know, I don't see that changing a whole lot. Um, and But I also know that the NJA is going to be a big player in next year's election. Um, and it's going to put a lot of money into that race uh, for one candidate or another, and that's where we're going to see some. I, I do believe we'll see some real fireworks. All right. Um, any other uh, issue that I haven't touched on that you? Well, uh, is that uh, and uh, quickly the superintendent salary cap, which oh, right. is important to your members. Uh, that sunsets this year, and I think there's going to be some steps taken by the administration to at least come up with a new proposal on that. And, and certainly there's going to be a lot of uh, back and forth with folks on that. I mean, that has been something that, that folks are real concerned about. Um, and there's a, there's always, I mean, that's a, I've covered education now for 20 years and I keep saying every year, um, you know, more so than the last, but 
you know, there is just no shortage of things going on around schools. Uh, and not to mention, you know, just the, the bigger issues of, of how we teach our kids and the technology. And, I mean, these are all big, big issues facing the state and um, and, and the nation, for that matter. And, and there's no – I don't see any of that letting up. And, and uh, it, it makes for a, a busy time as an education writer, but I also think it's an important time. And, and um, you know, it's, we'll, we'll see how they, they, uh, they span out in the next few years. Okay, John. I like. Thank you. We're coming to our last uh, few seconds. Uh, and for those listeners, uh, once again, uh, if you want to see a lot of John's articles, you go to NJ Spotlight. Uh, there's other contributors to that, but I think you have an article almost every single day on education uh, in New Jersey. Uh, am I correct? I try. Yeah, at least something. Um, <laughs> at least something. And you know, I mean, there's maybe posting a you know a report or or a piece of research or or, you know, a document per se, but I, I try to at least uh, keep the conversation going on, on what I think are some really important issues. Okay, that brings us to the end of this program. I'd like to thank John Mooney. Thank you, John. Thank you, Rick. Uh, okay, and, uh, uh, and everyone have a good afternoon.